This episode is brought to you by Hawthorne, the most exclusive dining experience. Our menu is specially crafted by our award-winning chef, Julian Slovic, to offer a personalized experience for each and every one of our hand-selected guests. Sign up and to join our waitlist today to see if you are chosen for our once-in-a-lifetime culinary getaway. Welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a horror podcast obsessed with subgenres. I am one of your hosts, Devon Taylor. Sitting with me, I have Mr. Gary McDowell. Devon, you scared the shit out of me with that hand clap. I just you, like it was like PTSD. You brought me back. I don't feel you got to warn me next time, Devon. <laughs> it, 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 it has you conditioned, you know. And, Is and he gonna I, do that every time? <laughs> every single time, yeah. Oh man, but yeah, we're uh, we are back. In 2023, the first official episode of the year after doing our uh, top 10 last week. And if you guys listened to that episode, spoiler alert, the menu came out to be our number one pick. And then so it uh, worked out very well that our guest today uh, ended up picking it for their favorite film of 2022 as well. So welcome back to the pod of the Nightlight Podcast, Mr. Prince Jackson. Hey, 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 hey. Man, I am so excited to be back here. This is so much fun. I know it's been a lot in the making. We, you hit me up multiple times. We made it happen. Officially. Yeah, yeah. We had you in for some different months slotted in, and then you know, uh, you know, things that things are different when you got a baby. And uh, how's she Dude. doing? She's doing great. She's doing great. Life be life and with that kid, but she's doing really, really good. Um, she definitely takes up a lot of my time, as you can imagine. But, uh, yeah, it's uh. It's been good. It's been really good. Just dealing with the baby. You know, she's almost three. So we just did potty training, feeling good about that. So it's a, it's a whole thing. But I'm, I'm excited to talk about some flicks. We are excited to have you. Yes. And I couldn't I couldn't say that you could pick a better like, you know, way to start off this year. Like you said, this is our like number one pick of last year. So congratulations. Awesome. Was that planned at all for you? Did you have any insight or knowledge? Who told you? <laughs> so Devon, when Devon hit me up and was just like, hey, like, I, if you want to come in for this month, this is the month that you can come into. Um, and I was digging the theme of like being able to pick like a top 10 from 2022. And Devon shared, uh, I think it was two films that were already chosen. I was like, damn, no one's chose the menu or nope at that time. Like, I was like, OK, so I, I battled myself a little bit. I almost chose nope. But uh, I chose the menu because that was my number one pick also for 2022, as I posted on Twitter as well. And uh, goddamn, what a flick. Well, don't <laughs> worry, guys. Indeed. Nope is going to get its shine as well in a couple weeks uh, as Jenny Nolf selected that for her pick. So nope, so nope will be talked about. And then, yeah, this was going to end up being my pick if, it, if somebody else didn't pick it. So thank you, because that means I get to add another pick for the month. So excited for that but before we get into the movie uh how did you feel about 2020 how did you feel about 2022 as a uh, year in horror films uh gosh i think i'm i'm probably with the majority here by saying that this was probably one of the best years in horror in a long time uh I watched a total of think of like 62 horror films that were that came out that year um, and out of that 62, there was probably maybe 10 that I was like, this is forgettable. But 
every single one was just an absolute banger for me. Like the, this was the hardest year of me trying to choose my top 15, top 10. And, um, it was, it was just beat after beat. And we start off that year really strong too. I mean, mm-hmm. starting off the year with scream, it was a really kind of big high note. And although scream wasn't like the best horror film of, of last year, I mean, it might be for some, but, um, it really kind of set the standard. It's just like, okay, we, we're swinging this t- this year like we're, we're gonna be swinging and then you know beat for beat we just kind of kept continuing getting really really good horror films and uh for us to end the year off with technically uh i guess a dark comedy but in my opinion is it's a genre film it's a folk horror film yes. in my opinion <laughs> but uh it's it would, for us to end the year off with this particular note not just one but we also had bones and all as well so it was a it was a good year. We were eating real good in 2022, you could say. Because um, crazy that, like, I almost even forgot that Scream was in 2022 because that was January. Right. That was uh, the first franchise we covered on the pod last year in January. Yep. And it, and then it was just, like, there were so many big ones that came out early in the year. Like, Nope and Fresh came out, like, real early. And it was like, okay, yeah. like, are we going to be able to, like, keep this momentum the entire year? And then, uh, of course, like, it, we just kept getting banger after banger. It was just absolute heater after heater. So for me, 2022, it, it really kind of set the standard for this main decade generation, in my opinion. Um, you know, the 2010s, I feel like we're still a, a huge pinnacle for horror. But the 2010s really started kind of finding its footing toward the tail end of the 2010s, right? Like I, we started getting hereditary. We started getting get out. We got us, so on and so forth. But for 2020... Um, for us to open up in 2020 with kind of these more stay-at-home horror films like Host and Swallow and so on and so forth, these more secluded horror films, and for us to now kind of graduate out of that whole fear that was induced on all of us of like, I gotta stay home, I gotta wear a mask, mm-hmm. you gotta keep six feet, uh, for us to kind of graduate out of that and come back into an, a, a more of a... um sequenced style of horror that that we've kind of been getting where consistently we've been getting a lot of horror films that have been uh more along the realms of weird right like i mean we've Mm -hmm. been like with hellraiser really taking a huge swing and changing the whole entire capacity of the cinebites um and then we also had uh nope being the probably the weirdest out of them all if you want to throw men in there you can alex garland's men also another one that was very very weird but that more so just felt like folk horror to me so that wouldn't feel too weird but if you throw resurrection in there one that also got really fucking weird and even smile got weird toward mm-hmm. the tail end as well so like you they we really kind of had this category of uh kind of this new subgenre of horror that we're really starting to explore a little bit more where folks are now starting to delve into something a little bit weirder a little bit more off the cuff a little bit more unhuman if you will i mean for jordan peele to take a, a creature that is already to us sort of familiar with a saucer and then change that to where it's just completely unfamiliar. It doesn't have any human-like characteristics or earthly-like characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a huge, bold move and a swing that I felt like hit. And, um, you know, same thing kind of goes with what we're going to be discussing tonight as well uh, with the menu where a lot of bold choices that were hits. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think for myself, we we had talked about it when we were discussing our, our favorites of the year. I, I think the horror genre just continues to be a genre that flourishes on variety, not just in genre and subgenres being explored, but also in budget, too. Also yeah. in the creators who are being told. There was a lot of horror films this year that were made by people of color and women, and it's not just white people like dominating this ind- industry like it is in some other genres. So it, I have, there, you, there truly is no better time to be a horror fan. I'm incredibly proud to be a horror fan in this time because not only did we get those big tentpole sequels and and you know blockbuster horror if you will but so many great indie ones as well and indie horror films that did really well and that people talked about and it was sought after it wasn't just this one movie that you heard about in a dark alleyway that somebody whispered to you you know it's movies that people are actually talking about which yeah. is really exciting oh right? yeah like and, and i like that you mentioned like you know the the, the directional change that horror kind of had to change coming into the 2020s because yeah the 2010s was such a like strong decade of like kind of horror getting its credibility back uh i mean well i mean not that it went anywhere for us but you know for right. for the for the masses but then you know when you know the epidemic hit it you know you know obviously art imitates life and horror uh always is commentating on you know the horrors of true life so it was kind of a it was a for horror, it was going to be a tough task to be like, okay, like, how do we, you know, uh, make movies about these fears and this new way of life that um, people are having to deal with? Like, how how do we make, you know, films reflecting that in a you know nuanced and sensitive way? So it was like, it was right. a very hard task. And now, like you say, we are getting, okay, like, let's get some of these more isolated films. Let's get some more of this uh, social cringe horror, uh, you mm-hmm. know, like, let's get, you know, some more things like that. And then it was nice with uh, the menu being like, okay, we can still, you know, like, uh, you know, kind of pass judgment on each other, but like, now let's have a good laugh about it, you know? So, um, uh, you know, horror had to adapt and as it always does, you know, it, it pulled it off. So I'm really excited to get into our first film of the new year. The Menu, directed by Mark Mylod. This was written by Seth Reese and the story done by uh, Will Tracy, who also uh, aided in the screenplay. Cinematography was done by Peter Deming. You'll recognize that name as he did the cinematography for Evil Dead 2, uh, Drag Me to Hell, and then Screams 2 through 4. Uh, this was edited by Christopher Tellefson. Uh, as of now, because this is a pretty recent movie, came out back in November, um, a box office of $71 million worldwide on a $30 million budget. This has a Rotten Tomato score, 89% on 283 reviews, and the voice of the people on Letterboxd have an average rating of 3.8 out of 5. Um, and we got lots of subgenres to get into. But first, Prince, why did you pick the menu? And I chose this flick because I feel like this really culminated of what the entirety of what this year was. And it kind of brought everything in of what we kind of had for a year. Like, we're coming back to normalcy, but we're not quite there yet, right? We're not quite getting there to the uh, to the point where we are, I guess, in a full spectrum, full-blown we're back to complete normal where everyone's still well not everyone but a lot of people are still wearing masks and a lot of people are still being cautious and things like that but we're getting back to that sense of normalcy and this film kind of depicts that but it also takes this standard of 
adding that extra piece of seclusion still to it, right? Mm -hmm. This extra piece of prestige as well. A lot of things we've also been seeing in the news where billionaires being titans and then crumbling as they buy things like, I don't know, Twitter, hint, hint. <laughs> but like, you know, when you see things like that and, and how that shit doesn't matter, that's what the menu is. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's why this, the menu has probably one of the best social commentaries, not just on the food industry, but on um, just life. Things we see day to day and us being in the shoes of Margot and how we're just like, that's bullshit. I just kind of want a cheeseburger. Like, you know, like I like same thing kind of goes with how these these people are buying things and and how folks are trying to live this lifestyle or this lavish experience. The menu depicts that so incredibly well. So, yeah. And Garrett, you had this pretty high on your list as well, correct? Yes, I did. Uh, one of my favorite, not just movies of last year, but uh, or not just horror movies, but movies as well of last year. Um, echoing everything uh, that Prince was saying, I think that this is a movie that depicts class probably better than any other movie that I saw last year, which is actually saying something because that was a, a, a big topic uh, just in filmmaking last year. I think of other like satirical comedies like Triangle of Sadness that I don't think handled this topic as well. And the mm -hmm. fact that this is able to do that, but also offering this really taut, suspenseful experience, still having a just an excellent pinpoint accuracy sense of humor throughout the entire thing. I found this to be the funniest movie that I saw last year too. Just consistently made me laugh. Every joke in this movie is rooted in character uh, and doesn't ever, you know, fall either way of being, you know, too ridiculous or too understated. It's just like pitch perfect every single time, uh, but also has really memorable set pieces, really memorable sequences and memorable characters as well. I love the setting of this movie. Um, I can't really say enough about this film. It's so, so excellent. Such an entertaining ride. Such a great, you know, uh, theater experience to see this in. Um, yeah, this was one that I saw the trailer for and immediately was like, oh, that looks really fun. And it thankfully delivered on that expectation, but so much more. Yeah, this one, I mean, this one just, it, it hit me on, it hits on all cylinders for me as far as like the, the corners of, you know, what, goes into like my favorite film of the year you know it made me feel but it's good on a technical level as well um and then of course you know being a lifelong service member myself service industry member not servicing but uh <laughs> and it, you know so it it, it kind of hit me on that level but then also as an artist as well you know the the commentary on you know appreciation of art and when you lose the passion for that and you know and who's responsible for you losing that passion? You know, how much is it, you know, can you, you know, blame the audience, but then how much is that yourself as well? So, you know, so uh, Julian is such a compelling uh, anti-hero in a way. Like, I mean, yes, he is a antagonist and he calls himself a monster multiple times in the movie. Like he, he, he is. He agrees. <laughs> but at the same time, he is like doing the thing that we all want to do. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been having a shitty shift at work and I just go, I would burn this place down if I could. <laughs> and you know what? Julian fucking does it. So it's like, you know, like to, to, to kind of get that uh, catharsis in a way, like, uh, you know, and, and it, I was so excited to dive back into it too. Like, that's another thing too, is like, what's the movie that I'm like telling people about that I can't shut up about. And it's been the menu. Like, this is the one I'm like, Hey, you need to see it because it's got something for everybody, you know? 
So, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, let's go ahead and dive into, um, or actually, before we dive into the subgenres, um, we are going to have Prince hit us with his 60-second synopsis, and uh, we are going to be spoiling the movie. Um, and so, yes, this is very recent, but it did just drop on HBO Max, like, literally today as we are yep. recording. <laughs> so, you guys uh, go and watch the menu, come back, listen to the episode. But, Prince, are you ready, my man? I am ready. I'm going to try to keep the synopsis as spoiler-free as possible. Oh. Um, but the menu, we follow... Margot, and we're on a date, and we go to the secluded restaurant where there's a, a, I believe, 12 extra people that are also there, but they can only be there in pairs. You can't be there alone. Um, you have to bring someone with you, plus one or a plus two for special accommodations, as we see a little bit later. Um, with this experience, the night goes on and on until things become a little bit more 30 seconds diabolical if you will (laughs) um where the transition then will happen to where things aren't completely what they seem i think i think i got it i think i got it all right (laughs) i i I like your uh, restraint for the people to because again guys this is your last chance to to get on out of here because this is of course like i mean as i think most movies are better the less that you know and like garrett said too the trailer did kind of uh, uh, throw you for a loop. I remember, you know, most it people does, thinking yeah. it was going to be kind of like a most dangerous game situation, which I was excited for. That's like what got me hyped. I was like, cool. I was like, the they're they're gonna be hunted, put on the menu, got it. And this <laughs> that, yeah. uh, is so much more than that. So much more. Um, <laughs> so we got a lot of subgenres going on here, and of course, this has been one of the ones where people are like, ooh, is this a horror? Yes, yes, yes. it is. A guy and blows his brains out. People yeah. <laughs> get turned into literal s'mores. Okay, like this is a like there are uh, many dark moments throughout the film, uh, many dark moments, many deaths. This is a horror film, but of course it is a you know very pitch black comedy uh, with a very macabre sense of humor. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we got some satire going there as well. Uh, Garrett, what are uh, some of the subgenres that you were looking at in this movie? Uh, well, we had talked about a lot that this was a great year for food horror, uh, mm-hmm. the way that uh, uh, not just like cannibalism, but how food can uh, play into uh, the, you know, the way that we, uh, I don't know, it's, it's it's a weird, it was a weird, like, common theme with last year. Uh, I don't Shout know out Flux happen- Gourmet. Yeah, yep, I don't know if it's happened right. in like too many other years where there was just a lot of food-based horror in this year, but strange. <laughs> uh, uh, this is also like a single location thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not really much happening beyond this little kitchen. There's some, you know, side uh, side pieces uh, and, you know, different places on this island, uh, but it's mostly kind of confound in this dining area. Um, but yeah, I would say that those were some of the biggest ones for me, other than the the ones that we had mentioned. Obviously, a lot of uh, social commentary, uh, political, uh, and and you know uh, themes of capitalism and and class and all of these kind of things. Also, themes of like sex work, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, this idea of you know horror talking about how you know how much of yourself that you put into the art that you create, what it's like when that art is being consumed. Even further, kind of emphasizing on that food horror. Idea idea there is a consumption happening here beyond just food it's it's an entire experience right absolutely agree and what about you prince what were uh some of the subgenres that uh uh, compelled you the most here 
Yeah, I agree with both of y'all. The uh, those those particular subgenres did pop out. You know, classism is a is a big one that I felt like popped out. And you know, uh, I want to say maybe some point in last year, this was kind of like a sleeper hit for for some. But A twenty four came out with a book that had to deal with um, horror foods or foods that were based off of horror films. So. And they really got deep in the weeds there, like where um, they had a food that was specifically based off of the film Possession that came out in 1981. And where you take something that I feel like is molded in this film when it comes to food horror, um, it's such an interesting basis because the whole time you get the sense of like kind of folk horror, in my opinion, um, where you get the sense of folk horror uh just that 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 dabble and that might be the the effects of Colin Stetson being the composer but for that particular motion of the folk aspect behind it being like putting the chocolate hats on their head for the s'mores and them having to have the marshmallows kind of um layered around them and things like that like that was such a purification by flame type of thing where uh it felt very much midsummer and things like that as well. But, uh, you know, I do agree with all of the other subgenres that y'all list, but I would just throw in folk horror in there as well. Folk horror is probably uh, one that I feel like stands out a little bit to me as well. I really like that take too, because I didn't really think about it, but but whenever I uh, was taking notes, I I had mentioned like how uh, ritualistic it felt, you know, yeah. in the, because it, it cause, and not even like, you know, some people uh, kind of, you know, saw it more like culty because they were like all kind of living together and like this like love but sure yeah but, but commune. in a yeah but but in a way it still felt even just looser than that felt ritualistic because when you th- you know at the end of the day like you know eating together is you know like time's right. oldest ritual like you know that people have been doing literally uh since you know the dawn of time so um it does you know still play on that in a very modern and contemporary way and I love that um, even the even the structure of the movie um, right. adds into that. Like there's a very rhythmic pace to this movie, you know, not only because it's, you know, spaced out by the courses and the meal um, uh, and, it, and it's but it and it has like a, a just a very flow to it, like the way that it flows between the conversations with all the mm-hmm. different side characters, you know, to like kind of uh, to like kind of uh get where you're going and like put you into the mindset of like okay this is what you're gonna expect for this next set piece and and you and you really got that especially you know of course with the claps in there as well so um i I love the folk horror angle here yeah and you know it it also makes it really interesting when it comes to the fact that it's a setting inside of a restaurant is the fact that would we go to a restaurant or when uh if you work in a restaurant or whatever like you have this pinpoint mentality of where like okay i'm gonna focus with the person that i'm sitting with or the person that i'm serving or whatever but if someone is making an outburst for example it's just like you kind of get that very weird sensation where just like should i intervene should i be quiet should i listen should should i mind my own business like and that's what this movie felt like there felt like a lot of conversations that felt like should i mind my own business should i watch like you know should should i intervene should i interject like what should i do in this moment and your fight or flight sensation is just going bananas um and i'm not too sure how much y'all are into like 
culinary things. I was trying to find the name, and that's why I was I was searching like crazy for this thing right now. Um, and I have you heard of Noma by chance? Mm-hmm. I don't no. Think so so Noma Noma is a restaurant in Denmark, but it is literally oh, this exact yeah. same concept mm-hmm. where you go to Denmark, they they have a ferry pick you up, you go to this other secluded section inside of Denmark, and uh, it's a complete commune. They grow their own food, they grow their own meat, so on and so forth. They have their own smokehouses, the whole gambit. Um, I don't know if they go as extreme as they live there, but is quite the experience. Um, I'll post the website inside of our, our chat here, so if y'all want to take a look at it, but um, it is interesting, and I feel like a lot of this movie definitely really got a lot of inspiration from Noma, but it's a, it's a fascinating, um, it's a fascinating take to have something quite like this. And it's an interesting experience as well. But, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, if, if not from that specific restaurant, uh, Will Tracy apparently came up with the idea for this movie on his honeymoon. He was in Norway, um, where they actually did take a boat to this like private island restaurant. I Wild. do not speak uh, Norwegian, uh, but it's Cornelius uh, Sojmont Restaurant. <laughs> There's an O with a slash through it. Not sure how to pronounce that one. Um, yeah. But it was this idea of that they were not allowed to leave the island until the meal had concluded. So, yeah, That's there does so seem to be this idea. But beyond that, any kind of restaurant that you have to like, go on this private island and it's this you know doled out experience it sounds so uppity and sounds so pretentious that uh, i'm not surprised that he was inspired to kind of uh, uh take this horror you know approach to this uh t- uh to this idea but beyond yeah you guys were talking about the ritualistic quality of, of this movie and also the other the chefs and things like that i think just going out to restaurants in and of itself is sort of a ritual you know there's right. certain oh, yeah. courses and appetizers and desserts and drinks and it's you know your salad comes before your main course and this kind of thing right. that if that was to be thrown off and somebody brought you out a you know a slice a of cheesecake before something. you even got yeah your your right. uh, before <laughs> your main course it would be odd you know there there is a real uh kind of even if you haven't gone to something like this i think that there is a relatability here and beyond that i think there are also characters in this movie who just don't get it like they don't give a shit for one uh and then others who are just here because they were you know they had some time to kill or you know had had you know or were brought along by their boss or whatever right. so i i think it's i think it's uh funny how this movie in of its kind of exclusivity of it all is still pretty relatable in a sense well yes because it, it has this like conversation you know of okay is it more about the food or is it about the experience you know or about like you know the ritual of it and and when you think about it, it's like yeah like you know they're going to do this you know very you know high price pretentious thing and like going to this you know going to a secluded island and like you know they're hyped about it but then it's mm-hmm. like oh when you think about it that's kind of scary like that's kind of yeah. creepy but your guard is down because you are trained and you know in society pretty much when you go somewhere to eat you're supposed to be safe you know unless it's waffle house 
Um, it, you know, uh, even then, you know, gar- guard like, up at Waffle you, you House. Know what you're getting into. <laughs> guard up in Waffle House, but like, but shout but, out to that lady catching that chair out of thin oh, air. That was pretty. She's sick. my hero. <laughs> Bravo to her. She's my hero. But like, but she would have shut this shit down. This wouldn't have lasted. Oh, for this sure. Entire no, no, no. She would have yeah, fucking would've... snapped Ray Fine's neck. <laughs> oh yeah, it, they wouldn't have made it past the second course. You <laughs> exactly. know, no way. But, no but way. because you know, we are trained to be like, no, this is okay. Like we are in a safe space. We are to eat food like, you know, like we because uh, that's a that's a fear that only humans have, you know, that yeah. we are safe when we eat food. It, it, you know, animals aren't, you know, that's when they're most vulnerable. But because, you know, humans are the the way we are, it's, you know, it's yeah. different that angle. But, you know, and you see that stretch throughout this movie, you know, the uh, you know, how much they're willing to buy into it being a show, how much of it is a part of the experience and. And, you know, and seeing this movie does perfectly what I was critical of uh, Garrett last week when uh, we were talking about uh, uh, Speak No Evil, of, uh, of, of really stretching the uh, idea of, like, how much they're buying into it. And then right. so you're watching this, and I feel like they had uh, a more natural progression of reacting to the things the way that they do and then like and then the moment when they do realize that like okay no this is 100% real now you know I feel like they had a more natural progression there but then and he even has a similar line too where he calls them out and he goes he's like he's like and he's like why didn't you try harder you probably could have got out of here you know and you probably could have overtaken us you know so like I, I love that this movie you know has has that angle to it well, yeah. I think it's also interesting that like the food is not the main delivery of like horror. Like right. it's it's yeah. looking it's like this delectable like this you know Chef Slovig is still a talented chef, still to some degree takes pride in the in the work that he creates. Uh, a lot of the food in this movie was curated by French chef Dominique Crin, who apparently Dominique I Crin. didn't know this is the only female chef in the United States to attain Michelin three star. Michelin stars, three yeah, of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, good all for in them. San Francisco, apparently <laughs> that's what I'm reading as well. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the food in this was even from a production standpoint crafted to be this experience. It's mm-hmm, not yeah. like he's just like, here's a can of fucking dog food or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it, it is the, you know, not to cut to the end of the movie. It is the reduction of this simple, going back to basics, crafting a delicious cheeseburger that sort of reignites this kind of spark uh, right. in Chef Slovig and this sense of reminding yourself why you fell in love with this craft. And I think that this movie also plays a lot with, and I uh, talked about it um, uh, a bit last week, is that I think that this could easily be a stand-in for not just food, uh, but not just any art, but all I think specifically like filmmaking in a way. I think that there are some characters in this movie like Tyler specifically, uh, as well as the uh, food critic as well, who kind of, in a sense, remove a lot of the magic from this. There's so many discussions yeah. of like the making of movies nowadays and so much discussion of the behind the scenes of movie that it almost overshadows the movie completely. I think of like, don't worry, darling, you know, to where everybody's Mm -hmm. talking about the behind the scenes drama, kind of, you know, taking the magic away from it. 
Uh, and then, you know, us be, you know, being movie talkers, I think that there is some discussions to be had here about critics as well. And mm-hmm. this idea of this sort of, you know, pushing up your nose, it's something that you can't possibly do. I think normally I would be a little adverse to that. I think I'm obviously biased being somebody who does talk about movies a lot on online. But I think that this movie plays with it in a sense uh, that isn't too self-aggrandizing isn't too pretentious i think it it has such a playful sense to it yeah. uh and i also think that the the food critic in this there's oh. some interesting key details about that about this character uh which we'll definitely talk about but yeah i think Absolutely. that there's such a real discussion here about this transition between you know art to artist to consumer in this kind of vicious circle that i found really compelling I agree, and it it really kind of stands out when we see that particular notion um, that you mentioned as well of it being uh, what takes the magic away from it, right? Um, That magic that we get when we watch these films and things like that, and then, you know, for, for us being not only horror fans, but for actually loving film and loving the process of film, that for us kind of takes the magic away from us. Like when we see something that's like supposed to be scary, we're probably thinking in our head like, well, fuck, how did they do that? You know, we're, we're not really allowing the scare to take us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's sometimes a bit of a bummer, right? Because for us being very critical about film and, and horror in general, like we, we kind of have that concept and, and you know, when, when I first started doing this, <clears throat> excuse me. And when Blade Disgusting picked me up, um, that's when things kind of really start started going around that path of like, like, oh, okay, I'm starting to lose a little sense of the magic when I come to watch these films. And um, I feel like that is very much what this movie does say in times as well. And I love that you brought up Tyler Garrett because um, Tyler does this thing that uh, that we see as a huge cultural thing. People taking pictures of food. Um, and putting it on Instagram or mm-hmm. maybe we will even go as far as to have things like chef's table, obviously, which is mainly a satire, f- uh, for, th- for the menu. Um, but seeing that aspect, it kind of takes the magic away of this experience and it almost feels like it's showboated in a way where it's just like, look what I'm eating and look what you're not mm-hmm. eating mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and it, it almost feels showboasty. I mean, so it's interesting because it's like Tyler and Lydia are like kind of two in two different, you know, areas on the spectrum of, you know, like, you know, because obviously it's like, uh, you know, Tyler, uh, he, well, here, I'll start with Lydia because we'll have more to talk about with Tyler. But so like Lydia, like, yes, at one point she probably did, you know, start off with like, yeah, I'm doing this to to lift people up and lift these businesses, these high profile cooks and stuff. But then. But then uh, Julian, you know, uh, her invite is because like uh, whenever she uh, gets um, the, the the closure, the list of uh, restaurants that she's uh, like given bad reviews that close down and like the, the impact that she has on her livelihood. So it's like it's, it, you know, so in comparing them to, you know, say people like us that talk film, you know, we kind of are a little closer to Tyler's angle in a way mm-hmm. that like, you know, cause we're, we're, we're not trying to be malicious and tear these movies down. You know, it's like more about trying to get these movies out there and uh, get people excited about them and things like that. But we still, mm-hmm. you have to be critical to it, you know, and, and yeah, it ruins some of the magic, but like, but it, but it's also like the, but it's like, but the enthusiasm is there and like, it's like still in a positive light. So like, so I had an interesting theory with Tyler is, you know, so it's like, 
you know, so, you know, it's revealed later on that he, he knew and he had been corresponding with Julian and all these things. Uh, and, mm. and he let him in. And like he said, I let you into my world and like saw, gave you all the info, like got to see everything. And I wonder if, if to a degree, like that he saw that enthusiasm. He's like, look, you know, maybe you're a little overexcited and maybe you're a little pretentious, but like I can see that it's still genuine enthusiasm. I feel that with Tyler. Like when we see him like, you know, tearing up at his speeches and stuff like I don't feel like that's like, you know, uh, an act and. And when he's taking the pictures, he knows they're going to die. So he's literally taking those pictures for himself at for, that point. Yeah, for nothing, you know, yeah. so it's like with him, it's like, I wonder if, because I feel like Julian only, like, was there a, you know, possible scenario and when Julian would accept Tyler it, to to a degree, but whenever he invites Margot and then like, and then he's like, oh, wait, you knew what was happening tonight and you like hired a sex worker to come to to you know be a part of this and then die like oh no you are a terrible person so you do deserve to die now so yeah i mean he's not any like in regards to like the fanaticism of it all i don't think that he's any more extreme than i don't know the other cooks who killed themselves you know (laughs) like uh, because of this goal you know like it's he's probably like small potatoes considering that he's like i just want to take pictures of my food and i like the cooking compared to these other people who are literally willing to die over this cause you know he mm-hmm. is too i want to clarify he also kills himself later in the movie but there yeah. is that interesting reveal of him like it being shown to like be knowing what, what what's happening here this isn't like a mystery to him which he's he knew total- he would die too so it's yeah, like either way yeah. he knew he was gonna die that night right. he just didn't yeah. know it was gonna be in that yeah. fashion you the know? fact that he's putting others in harm's way because of this and it also just kind of you know takes away the chef's Lovig's ability to you know control everything and have the situation be in his purview that like margot wasn't hand selected for this so therefore she doesn't doesn't fit in this um i wanted to go back to talking about lillian like the food critic character um i mm-hmm. thought that was there's a lot of interesting details about her character um specifically uh one is that you know it's noted in the movie that like smoking ruins your palate and right. she's seen in multiple scenes to be smoking like which kind of alludes to the fact that, like maybe she's kind of she, a shitty food critic yeah, and she doesn't have the, a good food critic. yeah she doesn't have like the palate <laughs> for a lot of this stuff which i think is is really interesting but there's the entire like emulsion scene you know like that's an entire thing that i think the movie isn't saying that like don't think critically about the the things that you're consuming don't appreciate the notes of this and the care that everything is taken into i think it is criticizing though one this this eagerness that so many people have to think that they're better than the 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 artist or the whoever who actually made the damn thing to think that although i know what an emulsion is so i'm better than you in a way or (laughs) to take it back to like a film thing it's like i took a i I took a screenwriting class in college so i know what payoff is and you know like this kind of wagging your finger trying to act like you're you're better than those you know who actually made the product that you're consuming but also that in you know criticizing the idea of the emulsion and saying that it's broken he's like 
I know. Like, <laughs> it was on purpose, you dipshit, you know? I, yeah. I literally yeah. cannot resist the urge to explain split diopter shots to people when they come up in movies. Yeah, and you're like, like, oh, the worst at that. Yeah, the, the, you like, see the lens is like, like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, 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 that's, what, that's what makes it so funny of a, of a great commentary, too, though, right? Because it... it in in some ways, it's like kind of talking about us, just mm-hmm. just talking about us humans and being yeah. human, and we we all have this kind of um, main thing that really spans on the course of what humans do and how humans react to certain things, and even talking about uh, going back to Chef and Tyler a little bit. Um, one thing that I found was interesting, mainly about Chef, is that even though Chef recognized that he was an asshole he still made made it very clear that everyone is still in his shadow, right? I mean, we, we kind of had that same concept of um, the first guy who killed himself, which I'm playing on what his name was. Uh, you guys remember Jeremy. his name? Jeremy, yes, thank you. Sous Chef Jeremy. Yeah, Sous Chef Jeremy, where he mentioned, he was just like, but it wasn't quite good enough, right? And, and like, you know, he, he like he's a good cook, but he's not good enough. Like, he's not quite there. And that being that, that, uh, that extra little piece of that tipping point to allow Jeremy to do what he needs to do um, to accept his failure. Um, mm-hmm. And we even have that same concept with Tyler, right? Where we have Chef whispering something into Tyler's ear that allows Tyler to also be like, yeah, this is bullshit at the end of the day. I am bullshit. Like, as we mm-hmm. see Tyler's bullshit being laid out and displayed um, because Tyler did what he did by bringing someone else to uh, this experience when Margot shouldn't have been there to begin with. Margot was paid to necessarily be there, and she was just trying to please her client the way that her client chose to be pleased. Whatever. Um, so... It was it was fascinating to see that concept of there, and then we also had that other chef. I think her name was Catherine. Is that her name? The one who was sexually assaulted by the chef. Or was it Helen? I think I was it Helen. Was not Helen? sure. Not sure. Well, but y'all know who I'm talking about. Yes. Um. So with that chef who also said that she was sexually assaulted by him or sexually harassed by him, um, sh- they have that whole concept of when all of the women are crying or like trying to console her as she's crying as they're left behind while everyone else is doing their game of hide and go tag um where they're consoling her and then they all are like trying to like kind of get her to the point where just like we could still get out of here you could you could still like do the right thing or whatever and um like we don't have to die and she was like but that was my idea so once again, like we had that concept of chef taking ownership of something that wasn't even his idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she was proud of that. She was like, "That was actually my idea. The whole death thing, like that was my idea." Um, so it was it was super fascinating to kind of see that concept oh, of yeah. how chef just flowed throughout this entire movie. And mm-hmm. that's how you can like kind of say, you know, again with like the movie allegory, you know, like you know, chef is the director, but then like you know, not every idea comes from him. You know, there's exactly. input from everybody. But at the end of the day, exactly. you know, it's you know. Sp- Steven Spielberg's masterpiece, you know, but it's not, you know, oh, hey, what if uh, that shot was uh, a random idea from, you know, the the, right. the script supervisor, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. you would never know it. Uh, and yeah. that's kind of what uh, what happens with uh, Catherine here. And yeah. like and there's like an appreciation scale I noticed throughout the film uh, with each character. And like that's kind of like a 
a recurring thing between not only uh you know the the guests but also the the staff as well and like i guess you know like they you have the radical side of it where it's like oh yeah we are we we will show you how down we are by mm-hmm. like we are ready to kill ourselves with the chef too like we are we are so down and then you kind of see these you know each guest has to like kind of grapple with um you know being confronted with their lack of appreciation you know in one way or another whether it's uh that couple that's uh you know been there 11 times because they can afford to go there all the time and then they can't remember a single dish uh you know uh it was halibut you donkey uh so good (laughs) so funny god God, it's so good so it's like there's each character like kind of falls somewhere on that scale and i like the different way that each uh, course interrogates that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I saw a lot of parallels between uh, this movie and Scream, funnily enough. I think that, that both movies are really having this conversation of, like, this kind of fan entitlement that happens to when you are consuming this art and thinking yourself uh, a part of this situation. I think that there are a lot of interesting parallels that are, are definitely worth discussing. I mean, yeah. there's a there's a lot of gatekeeping throughout the movie. You know, there's mm-hmm. a there's a oh, lot yeah. of, you know, telling someone how they should be appreciating it, whether it's the chef, whether it's Tyler, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or uh, telling someone that their opinion's wrong. Like whenever Margot says like, oh, I think, you know, I think uh, at the very beginning, like the, when they get the, the first uh, oyster and yeah, she goes, the min- oh, I the think minion it, a. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, yeah. I think it would have been better just the oyster. And he goes, no, no, no. You needed the, the minion a in there, you know, for the mouthfeel. Yeah. For the so mouthfeel. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So there's, there's a lot of uh, or whether it's, you know, uh, Julian, you know, his uh, speech at the beginning telling them, you know, not to eat, you know, but to, right. to save or to indulge, to taste, you know, and you and and you get and you get where he's coming from, you know, to a degree, because that's us with movies of being like, mm-hmm. you know, just let yourself, you know, just just let the movie take you, let it yeah, wash go over in with you. an open mind. That's our favorite thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> so so I, I love the the parallel that he has in that speech, man. Ray Fiennes. I mean, I I know he will not get an Oscar nom, but it would be pretty cool if he did. Um, because the, the the speech and the 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 glossiness he has in his eyes, like the entire movie, is just the the even the way he says "cook," uh, makes me very happy. Um, yeah. just, there's so many uh, great Ray Fiennesisms throughout the film. <laughs> Yeah, he's so terrific in this movie. He's obviously very well known for being just a wonderful villain. And, of course, Harry Potter, obviously, but also Schindler's List and loads of other movies. He's so terrific in this. I also think he elevates this movie in a weird way that, like, you see this horror movie where people get cooked alive like marshmallows. And I think it would be easy to discredit something like this. But you add prestige Oscar actor Ray Fiennes in it. And it's, you know, uh, suddenly like a little bit more of, you know, kind of going in with a raised eyebrow which I think is also a conversation that this movie is having too. When you have like the cheeseburger at the end of this, that could easily Mm -hmm. be applicable to just how horror fans are with movies is that it's like, no, you've got your real elevated horror movies. And then you've got the cheesy schlock, like, you know, whatever new slasher movie is coming out. It's like, well, or you can appreciate the craft and enjoy both of those because they're different things, you know? So yeah, I think that there are so many fun details about this 
uh, movie, not just related to uh, uh, just filmmaking in general, but just art as well and, and capitalism and how that, you know, applies to everything. I think for myself, if we're talking just about like, you know, negatives or, or qualms with the film, I just think that the film really takes this like sledgehammer approach to what it's trying to say. There is really no room for ambiguity with this movie. It's pretty obvious what the film is trying to say. I do think that there is you know something to be said for like we don't live in subtle times so like why take a subtle approach to delivering this sort of message but i think that there could be some push and pull with what you think kind of you know imprinting your own kind of imagination on where you think these characters have been and what their journey is with the art that they create but i think the film is really upfront about what its message is and i i would prefer a little bit more ambiguity um, but i appreciate the boldness of the movie for sure I mean, I agree. yeah, I think the, the message is a little bold, but I also like that there doesn't have to be a mystery behind it. And I like that the film kind of functions in the way that uh, slow it kind of functions. You know, I'm curious to think, you know, uh, your guys opinion on, you know, he kind of is still propping like throughout this process. He's still kind of propping himself up, um, but it feels it, it's a, it's in a different way. Um, it, you know, and because like between the courses and like the different things uh, that happen to, you know, the guests or his staff throughout the film, you know, it, you know, it kind of goes back and forth between it's like, okay, I punish the guests now, but then now I punish myself and now I punish the guests some more and I punish right. myself. So it's like how, you know, do, I mean, and then obviously the fact that he is also willing to go down flames with everybody and do it too, like how, you know, uh, how fair uh, do you uh, think he is in, in comparisons to like, I don't know, maybe like a because uh, he kind of has an interesting look at morality to say that like uh, like Jigsaw would. That's interesting. Um, you know, I I find that to definitely be a fascinating take for sure, mainly based off of the fact that Jigsaw did have this very, I guess, different piece where he was like, I'm dying. You know, and I don't get to I don't get to have a, a life anymore. My life is being depleted versus um, we have a chef here who just in reality just kind of fell out of love of what they were doing. Right. You know, they fell out of love of what they're with their not necessarily their craft, but they kind of just fell out of love of just like um, service work, being a service to someone else. Um, they fell out of love with that. And not necessarily falling out of love of what the food is or the consumption of the food, um, just out of the ability to be a server um, and to be of service in some way where we get him when he asks Margo, like, do you love what you do? And she mentions, she was like, I used to, mm -hmm. you know, and, and her and him seeing that reflection of himself in her is also a very um, telling piece as well, where he, constantly gives her those those ultimatums like are you going to be one of them or are you going to be one of us are you going to be a giver or are you going to be a taker and for her to kind of go against him and him saying like okay well you're a taker obviously you, you're not a part of us because she went behind his back and did also other things but for her to bring him back to like why he started cooking to begin with and allowing him to have that little ounce of joy, I guess, before he was ready to uh, give up and take the takers with him. Um, 
which was also interesting as well because at the end of the movie technically he's a taker because he's taking people's lives but <laughs> uh, but it's it's a very interesting concept uh, when he constantly brings that up like are you a giver or are you a taker and for him to for her to give him something before he allows her to finally be let go she allowed him to give to one give him the the satisfaction of making or why he even started doing this to begin with and two to give him the dissatisfaction of being able to say i'm actually done this is my order i can do whatever i want with my food i'm paying you therefore you have the ability to give me a bag to go Mm -hmm. and for her to give give him not one but two very very common things we see in the service industry because for him he was very much was in a position of where he felt like he was constantly in power like i tell you when to eat i tell you when you're done i tell you what's going to be the next dish you don't get to choose i choose but for margo to come into play and say like i'm going to choose you're going to make it and i'm going to tell you when i'm done and you're going to either give me a to-go box if I want one or if I don't. The service industry, right? Allowing mm-hmm. him to really be able to be like, um, to, to, to remember what it felt like to be a server to give. So mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, because I see him letting her go is like that was when he accepted that you know, like in order to have his true masterpiece, it's yeah. not all going to be him. He still needs to accept more. And like he realized, you know, she called him out. She was like, you don't cook with love. Like, even though like, yes, exactly. like everything was planned out and like this whole experience. And I see the effort. She's like, but the love wasn't there. And then like, so like she got to give that to him with that cheeseburger scene, which like this second time around made me like tear up. And I was like, yeah. like, it like gave me goosebumps. Like, cause I just like really saw like, it's it's a combination of you know Ray finds you see like the smile like the the like actual genuine smile like creep onto his face while he's cooking it and like getting that satisfaction it's like yeah. okay now I have the last piece of it now I have the love um but everybody's still gonna die anyway so yeah, it's like, exactly. it, it, can we it, talk about how with the cheeseburger he puts two top buns on the burger that was. He, that was, that was like one of the most unhinged things of the movie. I've never seen that before. I, yeah, what, what I, I I noticed that too. And I was like, huh. That's and I'm his. a huge burger fan, and I'm just like, huh. Yeah. So you put you put two top. Where buns. did he say he was from? He said uh, he said what state he was from. I forget, but maybe it's a, a regional. Wasn't thing. it New York? I have no idea. No, yeah, I think he was famous in New York, but he was from like a okay. he was from like a Midwest state or like oh, somewhere. that's right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and it said it. it so said maybe it, it was on a, that newspaper. Yeah, thing so maybe too. it was a regional thing. You know, like that's uh, that the his style of of the yeah. burgers they they do the the double tops. I don't know. Yeah, I mean he did, he did double layer that cheese though, and I was like, oh, flawless. I mean, <laughs> and, and that, and, I mean he really that is the perfect burger. Medium. It, it looked. You amazing. only need grilled <laughs> onions. Like that is that's all you need. That's also, oh, yeah. it was. So I'm pretty hungry. sure it was a smash burger too, which is like the it was a smash burger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad yeah. to see that <laughs> even Chef oh, Slovig is like, no, it's it's smash burger time. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah. So well, 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 let's talk about some of these courses because obviously we can talk about the food, but like each course obviously oh, yeah. has its own set piece. So, um, so Garrett, what was uh, your your favorite course uh, from from the from the film as far as uh, the 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 set piece, the message behind it, maybe. 
How you um, Tyler's bullshit is so funny to me. Uh, I think it also <laughs> yes. encapsulates like a big theme of the movie of like you you remove so much magic of this thing and you can talk so much about the food that we create and you can be such a critic about these things, but it's like try to make some of this shit. You know, obviously he's under a lot of pressure and he thinks he's gonna fucking die. So like you know, but it's the 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 sight gag of having it appear on the screen with Tyler's bullshit is fucking hilarious. <laughs> so good. I also love the the whole marshmallow sequence is so funny because uh, Chef Slovak says he describes marshmallows as like an assault on your taste buds or something like that, <laughs> which is so true. As someone who's not like a big fan of s'mores, I appreciated that. But Tyler's bullshit is hilarious. <laughs> the the so s'mores good. they like cut the top of your like the roof of your mouth. Not They're a fan. Messy. The, the, the s'mores the, suck. The, like, the molten marshmallow <laughs> is like a fireball in the back of your throat. Like we're nah, coming for you, uh, s'mores. Fuck you, yeah, s'mores. Yeah, s'mores suck. I, like, I was, you know, they're not good. They're messy as fuck too. I was here for the <laughs> s'mores slander, and and yeah, Tyler's bullshit though is is my favorite too. Like, cause again, as a as a bartender, you know how many times like if somebody like says they don't like their drink, I just want to like go. Oh, here, you want to get behind the bar? You want to go ahead and make like <laughs> you, you know make your like, own drink? Like no, make your own drink. Know, like you know, like no. I I did the proper measurements. I know I put how much liquor in it is in it, you know? So it's like uh, <laughs> watching him just like, I remember in theaters watching this scene, I was in tears, like laughing and just like, it was because it's so uncomfortable. Like the, the was that leaks and leaks and shallots? Oh, oh, is that a new dicing method? I, <laughs> that we're ignorant of just like over his shoulder grilling him. And Nicholas Holt is, uh, uh, he, he's a really uh, one of his best tricks as an actor is he's really good at being flustered. Um, yeah. it, like he, like in it's, a lot of his it's roles, those fucking eyebrows, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's the eyebrows. He gets so he looks just like really like flush when he's all sweaty and like I mean he yeah. really he really does deliver that scene and like I want to know if like in the screenplay if it actually says like what Julian whispers into his ear. I want to know. Curious. I very gotta curious. know. Uh, what was uh, one of your favorite courses, Prince? My favorite course was the mess. Um, mm. The mess being the real true turning point of what this movie is, right? Yeah, you know that that really kind of coincides to to, and it surprised me, where I was like, oh, fuck, like okay, this is what this movie's going to be. Like, it's not just going to be satirical, um, bashful, or uh, on the nose is not the right word, but that's the only word I can think of in my head, so lack of a better word. But when the mess came about and how the score really transitioned, mm-hmm. and I listened to the score mm-hmm. so many fucking times, especially while I work. But like I listen to the score so often, and when the mess comes on and you get that very violin transition yeah. of how things are now starting to spiral, and it kind of keeps that momentum as things are going, I guess, downhill for our guest, right? But The Mess was definitely my favorite. I loved Julian's um, lack of the monologue that he didn't get to truly deliver the way he wanted to because Chef stepped in. He was just like, but you weren't good enough, right? And, you know, and, and forcing him to agree before he does the the inevitable inevitable. <laughs> but it's, it, it is a very much a... a beautiful way to I guess picture that and 
how they close everything off, like the curtains and things like that for the kitchen so blood doesn't get inside there. And then they serve them the mess of this inspiration of this death and how probably someone could be possibly even feeling in their mind as well. And I thought, I, I thought that as um, ways of how the service industry also can, you know, impede on people's mental health as well, right? You know, I mean, the service industry is rough. I personally haven't worked in a food um, service industry, but I've, I've worked for retail um, for 10 plus years. And luckily I don't work in retail anymore. Thank fuck. Oh my God. But like, <laughs> but even in some ways I'm still technically in the service industry because I podcast and I, I showcase things and, and mm-hmm. things like that. And I provide a service for a group of people on the internet. Um, and with things like that, you know, it, it, it still, you still feel this, constant impediment on your mental health like well does anyone like my shit am i making the content that people want to make or mm-hmm. people want to see um am i providing this person with a good experience for the apple store when i used to work at apple uh you know like did i fix this person's phone properly oh i got a bad feedback in nps score i like you know so it's you you have this constant battle of mental your your mental psyche and i feel like that very much was stated inside of this film in certain ways especially when we get to the mess um and for julie or uh not julian jeremy uh for jeremy to have that type of um reaction to how he was placed to not good enough was uh for me spoke volumes and really turned that that film to like oh yes this is a horror film <laughs> yeah it's definitely where the where the movie takes a turn for sure where it like really gets macabre because you like see a tarp come out you're not sure what's going on and right. and it's a very complicated scene too because like there's there's a lot going on with uh again like the way that chef like you know treats uh his his staff and the way that they are incorporated into this. so it's like even though he is, it's like so it's like he's saying these degrading things but then like even though he is it's like he is still like that's one of his sous chefs like that is like yeah. one of the people that he still trusts you know the most out you know more than others in the kitchen and he has some somewhat of a you know respect for him in a way and like between with him and the the man's folly like um you know for for in an odd way uh jeremy's death kind of felt like more of julian being like look like i'm gonna call you out for like you you know spend all this time put all this you know time and effort into a goal that you can't achieve which is you want to be me like and like like that's a goal that you're not gonna be able to achieve you spent all this time you know and you did it it's respectable and then him being like okay well now here this is like you want to make your contribution to the to the menu like so it's like him kind of uh, almost Jeremy getting to like kind of get his masterpiece moment on his terms rather than like he's not you know going up in flames with like Julian and the rest of everyone else like he gets his but he's not he, able to see it exactly that's the, that's the yeah. part right or it's just like well he's but he, he got he, he dies but, before it right? and, but he's like it, it's like with uh same with Catherine they're both like hey but yeah. we got dishes on the menu though like yeah, we got we, our we got, made it we got spotlight <laughs> we got our spotlight dishes you know so it's like you know grim way because it's still it it feels very different than when tyler is when he whispers in tyler's ear and then he goes to hang himself it feels uh a little more shameful as he is obviously just embarrassed the hell out of tyler 
And then right. with uh, Jeremy, it just it, it, it felt a little different. I don't know. It's a very uh, fascinating scene. Yeah, uh, you had mentioned it before. You had been, you had been curious about what he actually whispers in Tyler's ear. Do you have any assumptions of what he whispered? I mm. don't know. Like I real like I like because again, I feel like, like he just I, degrades him. Because again, I like had this theory. Like in my mind, I was like, "What if it like?" Because like, what was the reason that he let Tyler in to begin with? Like he let him in on knowing what the menu was gonna be, knew what the experience was gonna be, and Tyler knew this. So Tyler already knew he was gonna be dying going in. So right. like, I wonder if he would have brought like his original regular date, like usual. You know what? How the night have went? Because obviously, you know, Margot is what you know throws off uh, the whole the whole recipe of the menu. And, and he, but like, so if he would have brought his original date, like, would it, Julian have been like, Hey, like you are like kind of quote unquote, one of us. Like I, cause again, like he sees like his enthusiasm and his passion, like even if it is assholeish and a little too much, but like, so I wonder, so like, that's why I'm like, maybe just like when he whispers in his ear being like telling him like, Hey, like you would have been able to die like us, but instead you're going to go in that room. And you're gonna do it this way instead. Or, That's so. what I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I, I feel like he told him what to do. He told him that you you no longer are worthy to um, finish the rest of the the course. Like mm-hmm. you're you're no you're not worthy to see the rest of the menu. Pretty much because that that was the thing. He gave them all the menu at the end. Yeah. Right. Um. But you know he he doesn't get the grace of the the purification in Julian's exactly. eyes that you know yeah. the other people do because even when you notice at the end like during the s'more scene people are like nodding their head and they're saying thank you and like the fact that they even still <laughs> and pay, they paid <laughs> and they pay so that is them like accepting it so it was like it's fascinating that like yeah they do get I guess more grace by uh you know having the the s'mores course versus you know yeah Tyler you're you're not worthy anymore. Right. Yeah, it's definitely something uh, along those lines or just like telling him he's a bad cook, you know, or like you'll never be like us. Right. You'll, you'll never be able to do this because I think that's such a big part of Tyler's whole character is that he feels so tied to what's happening. He feels so invested that he has the same weird, you know, doohickeys back home that can do this stuff where most people just have a fucking air fryer. <laughs> and, right. You know, so I feel like it's something simple, but so cutting of just like, you'll never be able to do what we do or something like that. And then also go in the closet and fucking kill yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, he came into the, in, into there with that very gatekeepy gate mentality, right? Like he was trying to be Im- Im- impressive, but impressive to the wrong I guess person, right? He was trying to impress them and Chef more than yeah. maybe his date or I don't know. But like he, you know, asking about like the shaved ice or whatever in the beginning and telling telling him the machine that he used. He was like, "Yeah, yeah. I got one of those." Like <laughs> it's just like we don't care, you know, yeah. like, like I don't care if like in, in, and for us, you know, in standards for us being film critics, it's like, like, I don't care if you watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 50 times. I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre the first time I've seen it and the only time I've seen it just as much as you probably liked it the 50th time <laughs> you've watched it. Like, it doesn't matter. It, you know, that's not what that's not what this is for. Like you, you, that, that's not it, it's no reason to make everything a competition. Or, like, 
which cut is better, you know, wh- which, right. you know, like, you know, it, it could, could go either way. And uh, and I'd be remiss, you know, if we didn't have a, a section on uh, our, our final girl here, one of one of Garrett's wifeys, Miss Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, making another genre film appearance. Um, she's ours, man. I like it. it it's official. Oh, yeah. Like she is. She is our like she's a genre girl like through and through. A true scream Ga- queen. Queen's Gambit. You can't have her Netflix. She's ours. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's she's really terrific. And this originally supposed to go to uh, Emma Stone. I'm glad that she mm. was able to to be in this because she is just so wonderful. Uh, brings so much like. She brings this attitude of just like, what the fuck is any of this? Like, this is so right. fucking stupid. Because like, as much as Chef Slovig is really trying to like criticize these other people, he's also full of shit, and she sees right. that, mm-hmm. and she's just right. like, you know, th- he he can be criticized or critical of Tyler because he overanalyzes these food, uh, these foods, and then also critical of Richard and Anne, the couple, because they go here a million times, they have no idea what they ordered, so he's just like. He's so, you know, uh, uninspired with himself that he just everybody's just fucking the same, you know, that right. that she comes in here and is just sees the the kind of the rot in Chef Slovig and then is able to kind of pinpoint that and just kind of poke the hole in this entire operation. Yeah, she gives such like a uh, a unique performance for her. I don't think I've really seen that from her. Uh, just such a, you know, like what is any of this sort of ad- attitude, how a lot of us would probably go. And I've always felt that way about like this kind of high end, high quality food. It's like they gave you uh, a couple bubbles and some leaves on a fucking rock, right? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> give me the I'm, greasiest pizza the you ocean. can find and that sounds way better. <laughs> exactly. It's just this bullshit, bullshit, high concept kind of uh, eatery as much as it looks impressive and shout out to Michelin star chefs and all this kind of stuff. Again, I think she's a big reason that this is so relatable is because she's just like this is fucking ridiculous <laughs> it, it's right. funny because like again like as she is a you know a sex worker a service industry person herself that at the beginning like you know at the very beginning you know she is willing to you know she is going in with an open mind she's willing to be like okay you know what this isn't for me like i wouldn't do this experience but hey i'm getting paid and also like you know like i'm, I'm open to it like show me but then as soon as the breadless bread platter comes out she is just like okay no this is fucking dumb like nope like nope nope like this is all bullshit and 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 you know she's a little bit more understated in this one a little bit uh more than some of her other ones which i like and uh she's uh, she's very rock steady in this uh in this role and you know serving up her sash she looks fantastic love that shade of uh uh shade in her hair for this one yeah amazing yeah i love her we love her I love how she even she made like some like offhanded joke about the distance of her eyes. It's like, oh my oh, god, that's right. She reads, yeah. she sees the tweets, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like apparently stop talking about her, guys. Apparently, <laughs> she's really like self conscious about that. Apparently, she's like doesn't see herself as like a beautiful person, which is insane to me. Which she's, is insane, yeah, but that's because wild. she literally looks like. Uh, like not from this earth in the best way like she is right like, yeah she's perfect she's perfect yeah. in this and uh and and she really does sell that uh that that final cheeseburger scene very well and like mm-hmm. the way that she you know as a final girl she you know does a lot of things she's trying different tactics you know she has she has to show some physicality she gets a kill in there but then she has to uh you know use her wits and uh you know with the uh, con- uh, the conversation, the the cheeseburger scene with Julian. So, a um, very well-rounded final girl outing for sure. 
Yeah, there's also a lot of other great supporting characters. Uh, Hong Chao plays Elsa. Uh, <laughs> so she was amazing. also yes. uh, in this year's The Whale. I think she gives a better performance in this film. Uh, she's so great. Uh, we also talked about Lillian already, but I just love this dynamic between uh, her and her writing partner. I think his name is Ted. Uh, that he would like butt in and she would just be like, shut the fuck up. Like, you don't know what you're talking about and would just like undercut everything that he said. Uh, you also have John Leguizamo, who's literally just credited as movie star, which I think yeah. is really funny. That's, that's fucking great. He uh, plays appar- himself. Apparently he based his character <laughs> off of Steven Seagal, which because uh, they worked together on a film and apparently he kind of based his performance on this burnt out movie star who's just that's kind great. of, <laughs> that, you know. Uh, so yeah, there's so many great uh, supporting characters in this. And then of course you've got your trio of like douchebag stock bros so yeah so many supporting characters who and were it, uh, i guess they work for the company that invest yeah inside mm-hmm. of there, exactly right? yeah, yeah. So. so so many supporting characters and colorful characters and great performances as well that i think just make this movie as as memorable as it is of course like a lot of our attention has been focused on uh, slovic and margo and tyler but everyone else in this movie is also really wonderful too oh yeah, man absolutely it, it's well-rounded Shout out Hung Chow. She is so good in this as like She's so good the just most over it front of house manager that you could <laughs> ever have. And uh just her her delivery for everything is so spot on. Like on the uh especially her interactions with the stock bros are so great. Like mm-hmm, um right. because they're calling her out for the breadless bread plier. They're like trying to do the hey, like, you know who we are, like get some get some bread and uh we don't want to pull this card even though now you're pulling that card. Like, you know, like yeah. do it doing all the things and uh she uh um i love how he said that uh they were going to have the place closed down and she goes no that won't be necessary which was like <laughs> oh huh, wink wink yeah this uh place is uh going down to the ground so yeah don't yep. need that and um but uh she has a uh, probably my favorite line of the entire film is uh you know my favorite non-comedic line at least is uh, uh you will eat less than you desire and more than you deserve and yeah, uh, like, I mean, you want to talk about a thesis statement for the film, like, you know, that's like the distilling it down to its simplest form right there. So like, yeah, shout out Hong Chow. She's so good in this. She's mm-hmm. So good. Uh, she re- very much reminded me of her character in Watchmen, Lady True, um, and how she just has that um, just that intensity to her. Right. Like like you like she she's so intimidating. In this role, and it's funny because like she's she's actually a very short person, but like she's so intimidating mm-hmm. that you you just feel like you shouldn't cross her. And the the amount of time she looked at Tyler when he would take the pictures, I'm just like, fuck, dude, stop taking pictures. Like I felt I felt <laughs> it for him. I was like, dude, stop. Like she's going to like do again, something. Why are you even vicious. doing it, Tyler? You know you right. don't even need those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> for real <laughs> so it, it was super interesting but yeah i i'm a i'm definitely huge fan of her character elsa because i just thought she was just amazing i haven't seen the well yet so i'm curious on how her character is on that one but yeah i saw it uh yesterday actually uh and oh, nice. sh- she's the best part of the movie despite the fact that brendan fraser it's his vehicle he does a fine job but she's definitely the standout and she's uh, i believe i first saw her in downsizing uh and she's okay. just been terrific in everything that she's popped up in and yeah awesome. she's so great and you're, you're totally right devon to pick that up of just like the just over it you know uh <laughs> hostess you know who's just like has just taken so much shit uh but she's also wonderful in watchmen and so much other great stuff so yeah i i hope Absolutely. to see her in some more genre stuff too because she's really wonderful yeah she's pretty great 
Yeah, well, let's go ahead and uh, get into uh, wrapping up into our final thoughts here. And uh, we'll score this out of, of course, five cheeseburgers because we got to. We got to. So, uh, <laughs> Prince, uh, you want to give us your final thoughts? Uh, yes. Um, watch this fucking movie. You know, like th- this this movie seriously just even if you didn't watch this movie, you just kind of just listen to this still. And hopefully we, we got you to a point where you're just like, I need to check this out because I, I seriously think that one this movie I still feel like didn't get the love it deserved out of the box office and you know I I, I, I would love to have more people watch this movie like this seriously does everything right and you know what you said um, Devon of Elsa's line of um, it'll be less than you uh, less food than you want and more than you actually deserve like that's what this movie is right mm-hmm. like it, it it gives the it gives this very interesting balance that you just really really want more of but we don't deserve more because it's up in flames and there is no part two <laughs> <laughs> so do, do i rate mine now yeah out of five cheeseburgers out of five cheeseburgers i'm gonna go i'm gonna go five like, like, just, just hit it there. Like, this movie to me was just absolutely perfect. I think this movie is is seriously just flawless, absolutely flawlessly well done. There's always one film out of the year that that usually does this to me, and uh, this year is or this past year, I guess, is the menu for sure because it's just. I feel like this is a movie that's going to be talked about from time and time and time again. Yeah, this entire experience for me was just like just really solid from head to toe. I think the cast is really wonderful. Uh, a lot of supporting characters are so memorable. Um, I yes. think uh, it's mixing of genre is it's a tightrope walk that is not going to work for everybody. And I think the the box office reflection is is a result of that. I mean, it's it's one that like. It did well. Uh, I think it's like Fox Searchlight's one of their best movies that they've had box yeah. office wise, uh, but mm-hmm. it's not like a knockout hit or anything. But, you know, horror comedies are kind of few and far between, especially with a budget like this. Um, but with mm-hmm. that being said, I think it walks that line really well. Uh, it's my favorite subgenre to to have both of these. Um, I think it's a, a great mix of comedy and horror to those who say that this isn't a horror movie. It fucking is like it's a horror movie. It's a <laughs> you're horror being movie. a Tyler. Stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, uh, uh, it's a horror film. So many great memorable sequences in this. So many great lines as well, uh, and everything that we've talked about from the uh, social commentary, the political commentary, a great setting to a great score as well. Uh, this one was just so much fun for me. One of my favorite uh, theater going experiences of the year. Um, I do think that some of the commentary is dealt out with such a heavy hand that I don't think it leaves much for interpretation. So this movie doesn't give me so much to like really dive into as far as like trying to find like fun details and things like this i think everything is pretty well stated um so much so that i think some of the the ambiguity is is kind of robbed so for me i'm at a a delicious four out of five flattened smash style cheeseburgers loving it four out of five a little a little too much sauce for garrett and that's okay (laughs) that's okay but uh this one was uh, perfectly seasoned for me because uh, this is just a very well-balanced movie, like, from, again, yeah, like, top to bottom, like, it had me consistently laughing throughout with the comedy, um, the, the the themes are very compelling to me, it had the emotional catharsis that I'm looking for in movies, um, and just, it's hilarious, like, this is one of my favorite Ray Fiennes performances, one of my favorite performances from the year, 
Uh, I mean, just uh, so many uh, great exchanges. Uh, I love the the line where uh, uh, looks at Felicity. And he's like, he's like, what college you go to? Brown? Any student loans? No, you're no. dying tonight. You're Sorry. dying. Uh, it's just <laughs> so good. He has so many uh, quotables throughout the movie, but uh, and and I love and and the thing that. I love too the most about Julian is like even still like you know he's g- doing all these theatrics he is still like at the end of the day like hey like if I'm gonna burn it down I'm still gonna burn it down I'm gonna give y'all a fucking good ass meal because like uh uh the mess looked damn good I would throw down yeah, on the mess and uh, man's folly like uh the the uh, pressure cooked vegetables roasted fillet potato contif and beef jus and people are really obsessed with bone marrow these days I haven't tried it so but I would I would throw down on the mess. Um, but yeah, so this is a, uh, this is a five out of five cheeseburgers movies for me. Uh, I mean the, the set is incredible. Like the kitchen was fully functional. Oh. This was all real shit that they're doing it's in there. Real. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, it feels, you know, like a movie movie, you know, like, uh, even though we only kind of go outside the restaurant a little bit, but like you, uh, in the, the presentation, the, the score, the kind of very like even, even lighting throughout um i just yeah i absolutely loved going back into this one so five out of five for me i didn't i think i only had like three five-star movies last year and this was this was one of them absolutely i love that you gave it the the harry Styles seal of approval describing this movie as a movie movie so bravo (laughs) this is a movie like for real it really is uh but speaking of uh, uh, some more movies to talk about. Uh, let's see what we were thinking about while we were watching the menu. All right, here on the Spectre Cinema Club, we like to end all of our episodes with a fun game. Uh, it's called Movie Math. Uh, the rules are simple prints. Uh, if you just take a few movies, you can add them together. You can multiply, divide. Um, the rules are pretty loosey-goosey, so uh, feel free to have some fun with this. Uh, but what were some movies that reminded you of the menu? Okay, uh, so I'm going to have to sprinkle in um, right off the bat uh, the first one that kind of jumped out to me. And this is, in, you know, just stay with me here. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. That's one of the first things that, that um, immediately kind of jumped out to me um, was Texas Chainsaw Massacre with a division of, um, God, I'm blanking out on the name right now. Jeez, uh, I'm blanking out on the name, but it's um and it, it's right on the tip of my tongue i hate with, when that happens but um it is from 1974 and it is based in england it's folk horror um the wicker man thank you there it is <laughs> oh yeah um, oh yeah i totally the wicker that. man um so yes um uh, so uh, with divided with the wicker man and i feel like that that's a, a perfect culmination of of the two for me personally um, mainly because of the fact that we, we have this aspect of kind of this commune style environment that is very much both Wicker Man and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, very secluded, off the way, um, out of the way here. And um, you also have this very family style environment as well. Um, and 
the whole the whole concept of the chef and the sous chefs and the other chefs and assistant chefs and well, all these different chefs, all, all these moving pieces, like very much reminded me of like the Sawyer family <laughs> for some reason. Where I'm just like, ah, y'all motherfuckers kill people. Like, you know, I can tell. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just it, it reminded me very much of that. And then when it comes down to like the Wicker Man and 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 it being uh, the basis of that kind of folk horror aspect and you not really truly getting to that like you, you'll have pieces and like ebb and flows of that folk horror um kind of sprinkled into both but really towards that end motion we we're just like damn this was all a ritual at the end of the day this was all a ritual mm-hmm. for one last bon voyage and whether that be for for them being purification by flame or for them just being experimental or experience or whatever and then you have the wicker man where that's more so to bring more in for the crops and to kind of bring in the next generation and so on and so forth but like you have this very interesting kind of concept of of um spirituality because usually when we see something being sacrificed it's the virgin or something like that and this wasn't any of that this was more so the fact of um are you a giver or are you a taker and and you know that is what is the choice here of what is being um the sacrificial kind of lamb if you will can i choose more than one or more than two movies yeah okay so all right um Another flick that this definitely reminds me of, also bear with me here, Idle Hands. I know this sounds fucking weird, mm. but like Idle Hands, um, it, it, it was mainly because of the comedy aspect. Because Idle Hands had that kind of smart slash doofus uh, type of comedy, and we kind of had that inside the menu. Everything was very smartly portrayed and laid out, but yet the jokes were very much like, a very standard punchline kind of joke. Like, they, they, they still were very punchline-y, and that very much reminded me of Idle Hands, of how they would place them and piece them together. So I'm going to kind of add a sprinkle in, or, you know, let's, yeah, let's add a sprinkle of that in, of, of Idle Hands in there for sure. Those, I, those are about three flicks. I can, <laughs> I can see all of that, because uh, the comedy definitely it feels like uh, that, that Gen X-y uh, kind of quirky right. Uh, comedy especially uh the the scene whenever um like it's like it's like two-thirds through the movie at this point and then uh the staff brings out a birthday cake and they're singing happy birthday to one of the frat guys (laughs) he's like you told us my fucking birthday he's like i thought this was funnier like three hours ago (laughs) like yeah so like i totally see the comedy there the only thing that would make this closer to the wicker man and i don't know how you guys would feel about it it would improve the movie for me and make it this thing perfect a musical number the menu needed oh, a musical man. number that's all we were missing <laughs> that's uh, true that's true uh for mine um i had a few different movies i was thinking of um so as far as like kind of uh some of the tone uh i got going here would be the hunt um you know as far mm, as like that's fair as far as uh because i remember that movie even though it had like kind of like the obnoxious like uh, marketing campaign and like uh trying it was you know intended to be funny but just like kind of came off as like being like eh, okay like whatever but then very pro right yeah but then when you watch the movie it does a pretty good job of like criticizing both sides and like kind of showing the the stupidity of like art of in in anybody's arguments that's like hey any any side is gonna have dumb arguments you know like regardless you know so it's like it does kind of go after that in a way 
and then um just uh as far as like like you said like kind of the way that the dialogue is delivered and the jokes um very kind of similar and you know and also you know the the surprising uh you know bursts of violence and horror that you get throughout that so it's like that's a uh, kind of my style i got that multiplying um in parentheses i have burnt which is a uh, Bradley Cooper movie that came out a little while ago. Not a horror movie, but it is very, uh, it, you know, it has its moments of like super anxiety inducing um, whenever he's uh, kind of dealing with uh, this uh, kind of trauma of how he came up through the culinary school and like what that does to a person as a chef. And like there's a very uh, similar parallels between uh, Julian and his character because in the movie his character like exiles himself after he like uh like uh go it he's going for another michelin star but like before he did that he had to like go exile himself and like try to find refine the passion again um so definitely some uh, similar uh character arc stuff that uh julian has in this and then i have that added uh with the platform uh not only for mm. the 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 food porn because i mean even though that movie is dark and grim and violent as hell uh, that fucking food looks absolutely delicious. It um, does. It, yeah, it, it does. looks really good, and uh, and the way that they use the food to like you know um you know stand in for certain things and like the the message on like how it's supposed to work and um you know of having again like kind of like a mutual appreciation regardless of you know who you are, what background you come from. Like, hey, we should all eat evenly on this thing, but of course, you know that's mm. the whole dilemma of the platform. Uh, and and kind of also similar in uh, some of its uh, dark comedy as well. Um, I know you guys were a big fan. I listened to uh, the episode on a uh, nightlight from uh, the platform. So uh, and the the, the class stuff uh, very similar as well. So so I got absolutely burnt plus the platform in parentheses multiplied by the hunt is what I got. Very very nice. I went in a similar kind of direction. It was uh, shuffling my equation ar around even to the last second, trying to find the right order that I wanted this. Uh, but I first and foremost had Pig, um, also yes. not a horror movie, uh, but one of my favorites of that year. Uh, Nicholas Cage stars is the chef who also has kind of fallen out of love. So imagine if he did that, and instead of just going off into the woods with his truffle pig, was like, you know, I'm I'm gonna kill some fools. Uh, multiplying that by triangle of sadness, not only for vibe, uh, but also similar themes of um, class and uh, the service industry as well. And kind of that weird power dynamic that happens in the service industry of, you know, taking care of others and bending to the will of these people, even if their will is fucking ridiculous. Uh, uh, and then I'm dividing that by red dragon. Uh, and I think that when we've used division oh. on the show, it's like taking certain elements from movies. And I think that yeah. the way that that film uh, depicts food uh, is like very classy but there's for obvious reasons like a very macabre <laughs> sense to it and you can have this delicious meal that's like made out of a person like there's no cannibalism in the menu um, but I think of certain uh, dinner scenes in, in Red Dragon specifically that just kind of make your skin crawl and so yeah I right. think that both films use food and horror in really uh, yeah. compelling ways good choices oh yeah it definitely uh definitely could see that i've been i've been wanting to watch uh the hannibal series because i hear they it's do so uh, food really well in that one too right mm -hmm. yeah they do yeah oh yeah I definitely it's also wanna... gay as hell <laughs> yeah. that it is brian fuller you gotta <laughs> love it super gay. <laughs> super gay love it well uh was super happy to dive back into this one like i was this was one that i was itching to rewatch again so i'm glad we could 
uh, kick off uh, the official uh, year of uh, looking back on some of the best of 2022. Uh, thank you so much, Prince, for coming back on. Uh, you know, I enjoyed talking talking the ruins with you uh, previously. Guys, go back and listen to that episode because uh, it's a, blast. a banger. It's a banger. That movie rules. So also go watch the ruins if you haven't. Um, uh, but uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming back. Uh, go ahead and tell everybody about the podcast and uh, what you're working on. Yeah, you could uh, listen to my podcast, Nightlight. That's night with a K as well. Um, I got a, a few things in the pipeline, some things I can't chat about just yet, but a few things coming up with Bloody Disgusting and Scream Talks. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it should be some cool stuff um, kind of coming on there. But, uh, yeah, I got, got a few things in the pipeline. Um, I got some live shows that I'll be doing as well. This will be my first time doing live shows as well. So if you're in Texas... And around September, I'll be there doing a live show with uh, Dead Meat. So that's, yeah. that should be a lot of fun. But yeah, so a lot of cool stuff coming coming down the pipeline for sure. Hell yeah, exciting stuff. We're big Dead Meat fans around here, of course. So uh, we'll be uh, definitely tuning into that whenever that happens. And uh, yeah. uh, definitely go check out the podcast, guys. We'll have links to all that in the show notes. Garrett, what are you working on right now? Uh, if you guys want to uh, subscribe to my other genre podcast, no, it's not horror, but it's actually Star Wars uh, over at the Scum and Ooh. Villainy podcast. We'd love to have you over there. Uh, but otherwise, you guys can follow me on uh, Twitter and TikTok, as well as Letterboxd, which I just crossed a thousand followers on Letterboxd. So, hey, you. Uh, hey, look at me. So if you want to see what all the hubbub <laughs> is over there, uh, you can just follow me at all of those platforms at Garrett McDowell. Dope. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram and everything else at underscore Daddy Disco uh, on Letterboxd as well. Uh, you can hear me chatting some more movies on uh, coming up on the Incinerator podcast. We're doing a little horror horror roundtable of 2022. And you can also uh, go to the Horror Queers YouTube channel where we did a little match game thing as well. Uh, you know, so I have uh, many different lists in various forms. Uh, you guys can uh, go check out. So uh, make sure you're doing that. But now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.